This episode contains explicit language. And so does life. So toughen up, pussy. Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, July 13th, 2017, otherwise known as Embrace Your Geekness Day. Geek. Mm, okay. Is it, is it geek or geeky? It, it's something that gets thrown around like so much these days that everyone's almost like saying like a, a geek, but I almost feel like it's like the term geek is kind of like jumped the shark and it's become this like kind of semi self-deprecating. Yeah. It's cool like, to be. When, when was that switch? Like what was it that, that made the turn? I don't know. I think it's like a way of just saying that, like, I'm an enthusiast for something. Yeah, right? yeah, pretty much. Um, which is funny that that we associate enthusiasm as like the opposite of cool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what cool is. You're just not caring about anything, right? Yeah. Yeah, because even say like I'm nerding out over whatever. I'm geeking out over. Yeah. Wood. Oh, wood. <laughs> I'm a wood geek. That's yeah. probably somebody's sandal. I'm sure, right? But today is the day to embrace it all. Yeah. Today's so the welcome day, so. to the Wood Geeks podcast. Yeah, so either embrace your geekiness, or if you know somebody who's a geek, you can embrace them. Go give them a hug. But anyway, I'm Chris Salamani <laughs> from Four Eyes Furniture. And with me, as always, Mike Montgomery from Modern Builds. Hi. And Ben Ueda from Homemade Modern. Hello. So what's, what's everybody on? working on nowadays? The shop. I'm trying to finish it up. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got done running all the electrical and putting up the paneling or the like wall stuff. I'm putting plywood up on the walls. So now nice. once we get done recording, I'm going to go paint everything and hopefully shoot all of my videos from now on out in the new shop. Sweet. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. And you're all done with the uh, mirror hassles and stuff like that. Oh boy. Gosh, yeah. Hopefully that video is already out by now. If it's not, it'll be out tomorrow by the time you're listening to this. So yeah, it was definitely worth letting the professionals do what they do best. <laughs> I saved. A, I would have saved so much money if I just let him let him do it from the start. But I don't know. Live and learn. Let's see. Well, for me, I just finished up the Secret Garden writing desk. I've uh, seen that teach on your Instagram. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting project. It's different than anything I've done before. It's certainly a type of project that I won't do often, but I definitely want to do more things in this genre. And what I think is interesting about it is that. It takes things that would be like kind of seem almost magical or impossible from like 40 or 50 years ago and just saying like, oh, this is actually kind of easy to do now with (laughs) off the shelf parts. Right. Right. Like which is the same premise of like a drone or, you know, quad copter drone, the little motors, little little motors that can spin a propeller. Totally Mm -hmm. not new. But when you have the control systems that can balance them and then you can get these kit of parts easier and cheaper and battery life improves. And then we have touch screens for navigational devices, plus so many great uh, ready-made sort of, uh, you know, graphic interface uh, things that we can sort of plug and play with. Yeah. You, you get these really advanced futuristic things. So uh, I didn't do anything that high tech, but, uh, I basically took an old wardrobe and turned it into a writing desk that has like an actual garden growing in it using grow lights and actually experimented with Corian a lot in this and actually made a Corian planter tray. And it was just, it came out really nice. The Corian glues up so seamlessly. And once you grind it away, you can't even see the seams. That's awesome. I've only seen what you've put on Instagram so far. So how is the garden part of it accessible? What did you do for that? Right, so it's a uh, it's about a five five and a half foot tall cabinet, and there's two drawers below it, and then upper two swinging door cabinets. And when you open those cabinets, it's just full of light and literally like you know about fourteen inches by thirty inches of wildflowers just growing in about five inches of soil. Mm-hmm. And the idea came as I was talking to some writer friends. Cause I'm, I'm thinking about writing another book, but this time more of a text-based book than a project book. I'm, I'm thinking about something along the lines of uh, what I didn't learn in design school, kind of a, kind oh, of a okay. premise. Um, and I'd interview all my, a lot of my successful designer friends who often didn't study what they're now doing. So anyways, but I, you know, I hate writing. <laughs> um, 
And or it's not that I hate it. It's just hard for me to gear up because it feels like you could sit there and not actually produce something. It can be frustrating. So I was right. talking to some of my, my professional writer friends. And I was asking about how they sort of get into the zone and what would be their ideal scenario for writing? What would be the ideal scene? And they all described like some sort of like remote cabin in the woods or house on a farm or something that was totally Isolated, remote yeah. in nature and these things. I was like, well, yeah, that does sound great. You no know, <laughs> Wi-Fi in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But if that isn't like a, an option for people financially, how do you create the equivalent of that, right? How do you create the instant coffee version of that? Not in a derivative way, but in just an essential way. I was like, well, we have these grow lights and I've been experimenting with them before, not to grow weed, even though that's what everyone always says. <laughs> We're all thinking um, it. Right. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it. Uh, but uh, it's legal here in Massachusetts and California, the two places where I spend most of my time. Um, coincidence. Coincidence. Um, and so I was thinking, well, you know, these lights are just getting better and better. It's like I could, I could grow, I could, I could build a totally artificial garden in something. And so I knew, I, but I also know from experimenting before that the lights can be kind of harsh to grow lights. So I knew I wanted to be more of like a cabinet that could be contained, so the plants can grow, but the that sort of purplish light isn't escaping out. And so that was the idea for a cabinet. And then I said, oh, I can. I want to turn this into, you know, a writing desk. And so you you open up the cabinet doors, you pull a desk that fits into the the cabinet doors, and it's a perfect little desk for a laptop. And then you're looking into the cabinet, and it's I posted a video on my Instagram, and you're seeing this like this looking into this like wildflower garden, <laughs> and you're kind of flanked on either side to block your peripheral vision uh, between the doors. And the whole yeah, thing the- is it's sort of surreal and like something out of like a sci-fi movie or something like that. So it was a really fun project. It yes. looks really cool. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but the doors like even being blinders, it like takes it up another notch. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a it, it was a time consuming project. It was one of those ones that drug on for a really long time because there's so many different material pieces and types. And um, but I think I'm gonna enter it into that Rockler upcycled uh, challenge. Oh, nice. Oh yeah, I keep yeah. seeing stuff on Instagram for that. Shout out to Rockler. Everybody vote for Ben. I'm uh, so I'm still working on the plywood dining table. So I put the top of it together over the weekend and. So it's two big pieces, like 40 inches wide, seven feet long, laminated together. So it's like an inch and a half thick. And that thing is way heavier than I thought it was going to be. I don't know how heavy it is, but like I could barely, you know, like is, get is it, it up Baltic on... Baltic birch plywood? Baltic birch, yeah. Yeah, that's heavier. <laughs> so in seeing how heavy it was, I started getting worried about the, the base. I was like, oh man, is this going to be strong enough? Like the way that I did the legs that are like sticking out to the side that are actually supporting the tabletop. So today I was like, all right, I need to, to get a little uh, insurance policy on this thing. So what I ended up doing was I just went and bought some like quarter inch flat bar from Home Depot. Yeah. Um, you know, metal. And then um, I basically just like routed out pockets for it to sit. So you, get, you could only see it from the underside or if you have the top off, if you're looking down. So you won't be able to see any of it. But basically just did like 12 inches that reinforces the perpendicular legs so that that metal would have to break essentially for the yeah. for the legs to break. So now I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, I, I, I'm still anxious to get the top actually attached onto it to see how it's going to be. But yeah, I think I think it's going to be okay. And then uh, other than that, I started putting the the CNC machine together over the Ooh, weekend. Exciting. Yep. So and you went be, with a double XL. I, I kept the yeah I kept the double XL. Yeah. Um, I don't have it finished yet. I, I got pretty far in it, but I actually kind of hit a stopping point and I was like, all right, I need to get this out of the garage so I can work on other things because with it sitting in the middle of the garage, like it takes up all of my free floor space pretty much. So I came up with a solution of how I can nest it under my workbench. And um, my plan is to just wait until I finish this project and then hopefully next I'll build that workbench and then I'll bring it back out and finish building it so that then once I'm done, I can just have it put away. Wait, you're building a new things. workbench? Yeah, I'm going to get rid of the workbench that I have now and just build something that's a little bit more simplistic because okay. I don't really use my workbench as a workbench. It's pretty much just like an assembly table yeah. and an outfeed table. So this will make it more functional for me. Okay. And I guess we can uh, hop into the topic. So actually your glass experience in the past couple of weeks is probably uh-huh. a good example because our topic for today is going to be buy versus make. So when should you Ooh. buy something and when should you 
make it on your own. So the way okay. that the topic came about for me was uh, a guy that I'm friends with on Instagram. He he posted a kind of funny story. He basically he was just going on a little rant over the course of like five stories videos. <laughs> um, and so what kicked it off was I can't remember what story it was at maybe like you know crate and barrel or something like that. And he saw these chunks of wood that are essentially just like a picture ledge. And I think they were selling them for like sixty bucks. So you know it's something that you can make steal. Yeah, it's something you can make really easy, assuming yeah. that you have a table saw and you know you know how to make stuff. But, you know, I think a lot of times we look at make versus build is different to all different people. So to us, yeah, that's obviously something that you would make. But if you don't have a table saw and you've never made anything, then you might buy it. So I think we should come at it from the perspective of people who, like us who are in our situation. Yeah. When would you decide to buy something? And when would you decide to try to make it on your own? Well, just to speak from my experience with the mirror, and I don't want to go into it because I feel like I've, I've like you've talked so much about this. But I think for me personally, it just comes down to if I can make it, cool, I'll make it. But if it's something that I either don't have the tools to do, I don't have the experience to do, or I just maybe don't want to do. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what the experience is where I, where I just don't want to do it. But I think that's personally where it comes down to is capability and then equipment. Yeah. Uh, but I think that just depends on who you are and what you're, I mean, there, and then, sorry, I got a little bit it's an emotional topic. I was a little, I know, I was a little slow to speak there. <laughs> but then again, there comes just like cost effectiveness, right? So with this mirror, I could have done it all myself and I could have tried for a fourth attempt and I think my fourth <laughs> attempt would have worked. I feel like by oh, this sure. point, I have solved every kink in the process of making this. But it just doesn't make sense cost-wise. And it wouldn't, I mean, in reality, it didn't even make sense cost-wise to begin with. For me to have them do everything, it would have cost, it costs 50 extra dollars from the base price of getting the glass cut and everything. Uh -huh. So from that perspective, it cost me almost 50 bucks in all of the spray paint and all of that for the whole mirror. So in hindsight, if it wasn't for the video and I didn't want, and I wasn't going at it with the idea of showing people how to do it, the DIY method so that if they didn't have a glass shop near them, they could do it themselves. If I was just doing it for the sake of the video and was, or for the, for my own sake, without right. everything else into consideration, I probably just would have had them do it to start. I would have saved money, would have saved a lot of time. And in reality, I'm probably going to get a better finished prod product from the glass shop than what I will with the spray mirror finish and doing it all myself. So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot to take into consideration. Like, what do you guys... Well, like, what do you guys consider when you another think about time that? that actually that you did it was remember with the table legs? Yeah, that mm -hmm. was kind of the same situation. But I think that that is actually interesting because so for me, I've had kind of a perspective shift on it. So okay. before I was doing the YouTube thing, and I think actually the workbench is a good example. You know, a lot of woodworkers like to make their own bench. But right. for me, I was you know, my focus, I only had so much time that I could put into it. I wanted to put all yeah. my time into making furniture or either for myself or for a client. Right. And so it was kind of like, I can buy this workbench for like not that much more expensive than it costs me to go buy all the materials. And you know, it, it's not something that I'm gonna take like a ton of pride in like, oh, look how cool my workbench is, right. the way that some people do. And you know, if that's your thing, that that is like, you know, that's your big project, that's cool. And yeah. you put a lot of value in that. I just wasn't that way. Mm -hmm. And now going to, you know, with my emphasis being on making videos, that actually changed my perspective a little bit because I look at almost every opportunity as, oh, that's an opportunity to make another video. So like <laughs> right now with the workbench, like I'm sure I could go buy something that I could nest that CNC machine under that would yeah. work for me but it's like hey here's a cool way to show like the simple way that i like to make little you know tables for a workshop or whatever so it's something quick that i can knock out compared to my normal kind of video and i'm sure it'll be useful to some people so that's kind of changed my perspective on it and you brought up another good point is if you have between buy and make is if you have a very specific need you need filled. So for mm -hmm. you, you need a workbench that can work as an outfeed assembly table, right. all this kind of stuff, but also needs to fit this gigantic CNC in some fashion. Right. So in reality, yeah, you probably could find something on the market, but you'd have some sort of trade off probably somewhere, whether it's in storage or, you know, whatever it is. So. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's, that would be the first, one of the first reasons I would look for is does this thing exist right so if right. it's about specificity 
then like that's a great reason to make versus buying. Like if you if you live in a really small apartment and all the dining tables that you're looking at are all meant for uh, you know giant suburban dining rooms, then yeah, making your own out of the materials you want and the style that you want, but that's at a very unusual style makes total sense. So specificity would be one really good reason. Another one would be sort of uh, material values. And this is the reason why I think a lot of people cook rather than just buying food mm -hmm. is that they want to be able to control their ingredients. It could be from an ethical reason, like they're vegan or something like that. It also could be from a health reason, like they're on a ketogenic diet and trying to get all slim and swole. Watch uh, swole. <laughs> uh, so that's and that's another sort of offshoot of the sort of getting the perfect fit would be sort of allowing a certain uh, or a non-typical value system for the ingredients and materials driving that sort of specificity i've ran into that a lot with people that that have small children and they know that those kids are going to be gnawing on the legs of the of the coffee table <laughs> so they're like can we just not have a, any synthetic finish and then just get rid of the coffee table eventually so that would be another reason would be sort of that control of material choices the i mean i think for all of us it we have extra motivation and reasons to make things one it's part of our business and two we all seem to like it when at least when it's going well um so the question for me is like when 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 i do actually buy stuff and i buy quite a bit of stuff uh i buy it to save time and i don't buy it when i can see even if something I'll use sort of the, the making it option as a way to do a material upgrade for the same cost, right? Right. So I wouldn't, I don't think I would, uh, I mean, I've made sofas lately and they turned out pretty good, but maybe like two or three years ago, I probably wouldn't have made a sofa. I feel like I, I didn't know enough about upholstery. I'd have to buy all these extra materials, extra tools, and I, I wouldn't really see the value on it. But I would totally make a dining table. And I think that's, those are like, you know, the, the projects where you can add a lot of value because if you were to go to Ikea and buy a $140 dining table, it very easily could be particle board. So yeah. you could build a table of the same value out of sort of plywood, which will be a durability upgrade over the, you know, the, the, right. the particle board with Formica. So exactly. I, I would sort of, uh, but on the flip side, if you want a glass table, it's really hard to find a piece of tabletop glass cheaper than Ikea. Right. Yeah. I was they, really surprised at how expensive glass was. IKEA is awesome for buying glass tabletops. Like it's tempered glass is is so expensive if you buy it from a glass shop yep. because IKEA produces it in such high quantities. Now there's only a few sizes that you can get, and you know trying to cut uh, uh, <laughs> uh, safety glass or tempered glass is uh, a disaster. Um, <laughs> Speaking from experience, yeah, I think just all immediately. <laughs> goes into a million pieces. Yeah. Uh, so there are times, you know, w within that dynamic, it's not as simple as saying, oh, never buy IKEA or always buy IKEA. It's picking and choosing. Uh, there's some things that I get from IKEA that I think have incredible value, like some of their prefab table legs that are metal for the price. You can't do it. Glass tabletops, can't beat it. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to avoid buying the things where it's just a ton of Formica and particle board. That's a really good point. So, Chris, I yes. think this was on a show maybe me and you were just on a while back. Okay. But I talked about a console table I saw on a YouTube video, and I was shamelessly going to not rip it off, but take heavy inspiration from it. Uh-huh. Do you remember this? It was a couple weeks ago. Anyways, it doesn't maybe. even matter if you do. Okay. Okay, so I... I've got this great idea for a console table, or I yeah, have a great piece of inspiration, so... I go to Ikea to figure out some good dimensions, relative dimensions for a console table to find out the console table I saw in that video was from Ikea. <laughs> so that was the perfect uh, kind of like buy or build sort of thing. So this console table is oh, 350 bucks. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember you talking about it. You saw it in the background yeah, of something. Exactly, it was in the background of a YouTube video. I said, ooh, yeah. I wanna make something that looks a lot like that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just walnut veneered particle board. It costs about 350 bucks. But it looks, it, I mean, it's, I'd say it looks really great. And that is a really good kind of buy or build sor sort of scenario where it's 350 yeah. bucks. Materials for it would probably be about 100, 150 once you include, you know, all the walnut plywood and then hardware for the hinges and all that. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things is like, is the trade off worth it? You're only spending 150 bucks and you're getting the finished piece. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, it's hard to do it with 
taking the whole video side out of it because right for and you that's what i'm trying to say but yeah, yeah if yeah, you yeah. weren't doing that it imagine kind of, you're not making videos that's kind of a and i guess that's where what ben was talking about in maybe if you build it yourself it's not made out of particle board with a veneer it's made out of good solid plywood it's right. not gonna bend with the weight of a tv on it or something like that yeah, yeah. And, and, and i also think of this way right it's like think about it relative uh, let's assume for a second we're talking about furniture if we're talking about uh you know uh, right. other items could be a little bit different but let's say you're you're just out of college you have your first apartment and you don't make a ton of money but you're you have you have adult spending money now finally uh, <laughs> so you can't afford really great furniture you can't afford like heirloom furniture you're probably yeah. going to afford sort of ikea or cb2 or something like that yeah. so those are perfectly fine options you can outfit your house but you also know that it's likely you'll be moving a few times within the next five to seven years, right? So what I would do, rather than spending all money on furniture that you're going to look at after like after three years of living there and be like, do I want to move that? It's heavy because <laughs> right. it's particle board. And my friend tried to like dunk from a beer pong table <laughs> from it. So it's a little bit crooked. Yeah. And it's... I don't know if it's going to actually make the move. Yeah. Right. So then you <laughs> then you throw it. So you, there's no recouped value from the mm -hmm. money sunk into it. Whereas I would say a really interesting alternative would be... So let's say you want, got one of those IKEA cube bookshelves. It's like one of the most common things. So it's, you know, oh, yeah. white particle works. It's a great piece of furniture. It's a great staple. We have them in our office. We use them for storing like magazines. But even just something like two by 12s and cinder blocks would be a, I think would also look a lot cooler, like especially if you had like a loft yeah. and is something that would be easier to move and reusable for other things. Mm -hmm. Take that a step farther. Let's say uh, you need a dining table, get a sheet of just furniture grade plywood just or even sanded pine plywood, like $32 and it has a really nice grain to it. And you don't have to sand it. Just cut it to the right dimensions and slap some hairpin legs on it. Now, the hairpin legs aren't as cheap as Ikea legs, but they're nice enough that later you could upgrade the tabletop to either walnut uh, uh, plywood with a little yeah. bit of edge banding or even a solid slab of something like that and turn it into like a really nice desk for your office. So It's like not, a material investment. Right. So that $100 you spent into a great set of hairpin legs, you're going you're gonna to find uses for those legs forever. Right. And they'll, they'll last a really long, they'll pretty much last forever unless, you, unless you, again, you try to beer pong dunk <laughs> from them. Um, so something like that, I think, is a really interesting scenario of thinking about making and buying over time so you can invest in a really good high-end ingredient early and then accessorize it relative to your sort of financial opportunity as you sort of progress through your career. Yeah. Interesting. Here, here's a question. So now don't step outside of your own shoes. So from your point of view. So what were what were the last pieces of furniture that you bought and what would you buy moving forward? Oh, I've never bought furniture really. Do you think you ever will? <laughs> like probably not. I mean, as long as I keep making stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's how I kind of feel right now. Like I think the last things that we bought were like, you know, pretty much when we moved into the house, we bought stuff and then since then it's pretty much been all buying. And occasionally my wife will be like, "Let's just buy a couch." <laughs> and I'm like, no, I want to build couches. Like, and I always tell her, let's just get rid of the, the couches that we have that are in an extra room because then it'll be an incentive for me to build them. Right. Because like she hates the couches that we have in here and I don't like them either. But um, they were like carryovers from our first apartment. And then like, yeah, let's just get rid of them. Then that way, I'll you know, it'll make me make it my next project. Right. But Force I yourself into it. I can't really think of too many things that I would buy moving forward unless like it was. Chairs like, for me. That's what yeah. I was just about to say. Yeah. Those Dining were the chairs. things that popped into my head, but now I would definitely make them too because I want to. I, really? I think the last things that I actually bought were, it was some metal office furniture like from the 50s. like you know, cabinets those, and stuff? Yeah, and like tank, you know mm. a tanker desk is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, like nice. one of those. I bought one of those and like just like sanded it and repainted it. And even now I'm like ready to get rid of that and, and build a, I'd like to build a desk. But hmm. yeah, pretty much I think, I can't really think of really anything that I yeah, would I buy. I, toilet. I, I, toilet. <laughs> yeah, I, I made my own toilet tank lid. Ooh, hey, that's true. <laughs> Corian? So, uh, concrete. Oh. Um, so the, I'm looking around my loft, and the only thing that I bought new are chairs, dining chairs. Yeah. Um, 
and I normally for a dining situation, I like to have like one bench on one side and then a couple, you know, four chairs for the either ends and then the other side. Cause it gives you a little bit more flexibility. Benches sort of go underneath it if you push the table against the wall really nicely. Oh, okay. um, so I don't think so. I mean, mattresses come to mind, but, you know, everything else. And I've made sofas <laughs> now. So that was like the one sort of hang right. Up. Seating uh, seems to be the most intimidating. Right. So I would say like I buy things like file cabinets uh, or, or sheet metal kind of goods, uh, either used or new. And then I'll, but I'll t- normally turn them into something else. So my sort of workstation, it's like three file cabinets with like a plywood top, uh, glued and screwed to it. Um, so yeah, there's not too many new things that I buy. I definitely see, could see myself buying antiques occasionally or sort right. of old pieces and then refurbishing them and alter them like the way I did with the, the, the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what's interesting though are the things that we don't make that actually be pretty easy, right? Like, oh, I have like cutting boards. I've never made a cutting board. <laughs> yeah, <I probably laughs> like the most basic things. Um, I'd probably just buy cutting boards too, yeah. Right, because I like to, I, I'm hard on cutting boards. I like to throw them in a dishwasher and, and sanitize them. And if I made like a really nice one, I'd like be too, <laughs> yeah. too You'd be too afraid it. to use it. But yeah. di- dishes are something uh, that I would like to make that I, I mean, I've yeah. carved the Corian once, but I would, you know, I've been meaning to get into ceramics and start, mm-hmm. you know, start doing those things. Um, but yeah, no, I'd say, uh, I can't think of too many things that, you know, new pieces of furniture that I would buy. All right. Here, here's one then. So I think I would buy components of pieces of furniture moving forward. So like, let's say I do get rid of these couches and then I rebuild them and I spend a ton of time and say $600 worth of lumber making a, a, a set of nice sofas. At that point, I would almost certainly buy, you know, pay somebody to professionally make the, the cushions for me. Yeah. What would you guys do in that situation? I mean, I did that. I built a sofa and then I had someone upholster everything or build the cushions for it. So, and it was just another one of those buy or do it myself where mm-hmm. I can do it, but it's not going to look as good as what these guys can do because they're professionals. Yeah. Right. You know, I knew my cushions would be kind of, they'd have a lot, they'd be loose. They may not be symmetrical. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. Like I was still relatively new to even woodworking at the time. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to play my zone and let them do their thing. Yeah. I, I've designed a few sofas where, you know, I didn't, uh, I haven't done much sewing or yeah. really any and so I designed sofas, sort of no sew sofas, right? So one right. I covered with leather and I just used grommets and yeah. a hole punch to, to reinforce it. And that, that worked out fantastic. It looked Yeah, like, that was really smart. The covers don't slide at all. Like and they, really? they, they, they it looks it looks so clean. Mm-hmm. Um, so the foam and leather cushions, now I feel like I have that figured out. Yeah. Um, I recently hired a new employee uh, just out of design school. Um, that's going to be doing a lot of the sewing stuff. Um, so she, she likes sewing a lot and she's sewn all sorts of different uh, materials. So I think now I would sort of take it on. Um, but if it was just me, I probably, I think what I might do is go the custom route like the way Chris suggested because I think that's also sort of a way that you could learn from the person that's making it and get sort of an, you know, you're not going to learn all their skill and muscle memory for being good at it, but you could at least sort of talk to them and sort of find a sort of more DIY hacky shortcut that would make a halfway decent version. Right. Yeah. Understand the process, then figure out how to kind of cheat it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's, it's, you know, sofas I think are, 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 are such interesting projects from that. And because foam is so much more accessible now and the technology for producing foam has gotten better and better, you have really good options for, for getting cushions exactly the way you want. Indeedy. Anybody else got anything else on the topic or should we hop into some questions? Let's hop into some questions and I have a few. All right. right. Lay it on us. All right. The first one is from F. These are all coming via Instagram. So thank you to all those people that are following us on Instagram and dropping into our DMs and sending us awesome questions like the one from Effie Gia. And I believe I am going to meet up with her. She's a MIT student, I think, studying architecture. Oh, um, wow. So she's in the area. So her question or topic is, who have been mentors for you in life slash making, and how have they influenced you? So I'll go first and let you guys sort of uh, think of answers while I go on and on. So I, I think of... <laughs> 
uh, there's sort of three names that come to mind and they were all architecture professors I had at Cornell and they're all incredibly different. So the first one was a professor named Arthur Ovaska, who was awesome. He was like this total chill professor. Uh, he kind of looked like a wizard, like Gandalf. And he'd always just be hanging out in the arts quad, smoking a cigarette, always like chatting with the students, really super chill. Um, was never, never like in architecture school, you have to go up and present your projects in front of all the other students. So you're constantly presenting in front of other people. And, and back then, professors were really harsh like and they would just say oh, I can't you know they like you know there's a lot of tears um, <laughs> or in my case a lot of angry defiant arguments and Arthur was one that was always just never acted like it was the end of the world if you didn't have a great project very philosophical and he had a very broad range of what he thought was interesting most of the professors since this is like a really good program were taking it so seriously oh this wouldn't be you know what you know would be published or this won't be like a world famous piece of architecture, so it's crap. You know, what are you wasting our times? He was interested in all the sort of colloquial things. And so uh, someone like him was really important for me in expanding my interests, not just towards the highest art forms of the profession. So I think someone like that that's sort of teaching you to appreciate sort of low culture and high culture at the same time within a field is really important. Uh, I think the same thing goes for like food or for music or things like that, right? If you're just focusing on some high genre, there's so much you can learn from all sort of uh, 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 levels of pursuit. The second one would be like the exact opposite personality would be this this woman named Nazreen who was just hard. She was just a hard ass. Uh, <laughs> and she would just, you know, every uh, every presentation, she would just, why do you think this is good? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, just like, <laughs> just kill you with like very cold, penetrating questions yeah. um, that would just make you totally self-doubt that you were like, should exist. Um, and it was sort of like a, you know, so this, you know, sort of surmise it, you know, there's been so many people that have been really influential to me in a lot of different ways. And when I sort of go forward now and have uh, sort of, you know, I, I was a professor for a while and uh, now I have sort of pe people that I work with or sort of try to mentor a little bit. What I always try to focus on now is just sort of how can we need all of those different things. You know, we need the encouragement. We need the, the sort of harsh criticism. We need this sort of frame of reference and like objectivity because sometimes we get sort of delusional. So for me, it's just like knowing that we need all those things is just trying to read the other people now and sort of figure out what do they need at that time, right? Do they need support or do they need like a kick in the ass? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think I have like mentors in the traditional sense. So if I'm thinking about it, just like going back in time to when I started the whole woodworking thing. I mean, honestly, if there was one person that I got the most information from, it was probably the Wood Whisperer. Just like if I had to name a single person, just because that's like the thing that I watched to get information and to shout to, out to the real Mark. <laughs> not this yeah there's a lot of people getting it from the fake mark now though so man i'll tell you what i get so many people calling me mark it's hilarious <laughs> i know you gotta you're gonna just have to legally change your name but i would say the other would be so it's not a person but just kind of the the uh, faceless masses on a website called woodnet.net which was a form that i used to go on all the time which it's a dumb name i've always thought that was a stupid name woodnet.net but it was good for a lot of information so I would just ask questions constantly, like probably, I don't know, three times a week I would ask a question and uh, people were nice enough to want to impart their knowledge on me. And so I was able to soak up a lot of information that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm supposed to have mentors, but I don't, I guess if anything else was, it would just kind of be the fear of failure. I mean, I know like, it, that's not to say it's not okay to fail. It's fine to fail and failing can be good. It's a growing experience, but I think you should still be afraid to fail or not afraid to, but you should be avoiding it at every, uh, at every opportunity True. so that you can get better. <laughs> you know, don't, don't have it be an option. If it happens, it happens, but don't, uh, accept it. Boom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess uh, mentors, I don't really have like a mentor when it comes to like making things. Um, the closest I guess I would have to that is my grandfather. I, I would never call him grandfather. I don't know why I said that. But uh, my grandpa. Yeah, my, my papa, uh, my grandpa. Uh, he was the first person that really kind of introduced me to tools. Me and him kind of did my first few projects sort of together. He kind of taught me tool basics and just like kind of like 
fed that little that interest that I had. He really like fed into it and stuff. So um, he was one of the big people in terms of getting me into making and helping me along that process really early on. Um, I guess in terms of like mentors in in life or at least in, I don't know, maybe just like growing up, one person I had in school, and I don't know that I would call him a mentor, but he, he was pretty impactful to me, was one of the uh, production t- uh, instructors, teachers, whatever you call it. I mm-hmm. call it, I say teachers, but it's professors really, um, yep. that I had, Michael Trepeña was really big uh, in like helping me just kind of grow up a little bit. Uh, he was, he always had this like, hard exterior and was like never he always seemed like very serious and very like didn't take any shit but he was kind of that person that like once you kind of break through the ice a little bit he'll really like open up to you and like try and help you along with things as much as possible so whether it was like not getting assignments done in time or like not doing assignments very well and <laughs> like he just it was just he was the first kind of person or professor or teacher i had that really would call me out my call me out on my shit because <laughs> um, in high school, I did a lot of not caring about things and not putting in effort. And he was kind of the f- first teacher that I really ever had that was like, you know, you can do things really well if you set your mind to it and if you actually put in work. And I guess he was just like the first teacher that really kind of like said that and then also like went the extra mile to like prove it and like help me along with things more than he necessarily had to. Um, so, Yeah. Michael Trepania, good dude. Shout out. Shout out to Mr. Trepania. Thank you for uh, giving me some tough love early on in my college career. Do what? Is he a fan of the podcast? I highly doubt it. We don't <laughs> we don't talk anymore. Uh, but falling yeah. out. If it's a weird thing where he is by chance listening, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> you you were more impactful than you probably thought you were. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like a lot of these things I don't realize that they're impactful to much later. Like yeah. years after the sort of point of influence. And then I find myself getting into little habits or patterns. I'm like, oh, wait, I think I know where that came from. I know the sort of root of that belief system or yeah. that sort of uh, uh, or that sort of tendency for prioritizing one set of values over another. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, shout out to all the good teachers and, and things like that. Um, <laughs> Shout out. All right. Next question. This is from Blake.d.west, also from Instagram. So thanks, Blake. And it is, what's your biggest inspiration for your work away from the influence of YouTube? Any hmm. artists, designers, authors, goals, dreams, relationships, etc., that aren't related specifically to making that bring meaning back into your own craft or philosophy? i.e. cross-disciplinary inspiration. Wow, you're coming in with the big, heavy-hitting questions, Ben. I know. I mean, I, I, I like to go deep. <laughs> so I would say from, you know, th- there's there's a few things, right? So I'll separate the sort of philosoph- uh, the sort of philosophical from the sort of aesthetic or visual inspiration because I think they're, for me, they're, they're sort of two different things. Okay. Uh, so from sort of a philosophy standpoint, the, the inspirational stories are always the ones of sort of overcoming and they don't have to be anything related to sort of making. Like, I love the story that, like, Conor McGregor was uh, the UFC fighter, was like a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> he hated it. He was? Yeah. <laughs> and literally, like, transformed his his life uh, through sort of discipline, hard work. Um, I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that I, I find incredibly insightful, even though I have no idea what their actual specificity, uh, uh, what specific sort of work that they do on a daily basis. Um, so I think I, you know, from, uh, you know, people that sort of overcome hardship and then also people that, uh, uh, sort of deal with challenges and are constantly seeking to do things their own way in a new way on their own terms. It's why I love that podcast. One of my favorite podcasts, other than of course, the MMP, <laughs> um, is, uh, how I built this. And it's funny that it's, it's called How I Built This, but it's really it's a, it's a podcast about entrepreneurship. And there's so many interesting stories of people that did great things, and they totally did it in a contrarian, kind of often seemingly backwards way without the right experience, like the guy that started Cliff Bars. Or uh, even even the woman that started uh, Mark Jacobs. Or not Mark Jacobs. Uh, uh, what's the, the, the band? Kate Spade. <laughs> that would be Mark Jacobs' names, mom. Right? 
Yeah. No, I always was thinking of, I mix all the name designers, right? Yeah. So it's that Kate Spade, whose name isn't Kate Spade, uh, she didn't have a background in sort of design. Uh, she had like a, you know, background in sort of like, uh, I think like more media and stuff like that. So she, she had these insecurities when she went into it, but she still sort of found a way. So how I built this podcast, it's full of these sort of inspirations of how people sort of, you know, built things from nothing. Uh, one of my favorite episodes was the episode with the guy that started Tom's, the shoe company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just such an interesting guy that has, has done so many different companies. And the other way when I find sort of specific design inspiration, and I've, I've talked about this a few times in, in, in like lectures and, and other podcast interviews and stuff, but in, in the interest of consistency is that I find inspiration from things that are terrible. And I think for me, <laughs> it's way more effective to look around the world uh, see all the crappy, shitty, poorly made things that involve like vinyl, particle board, no thoughtfulness, where the emphasis is on mass production, and be like, you know what? I can make a version, a better version of this for myself, and then I can also show other people how to do it. So for me, the most inspirational thing is progress. It's not the sort of des uh, destination. So when I think of what's really inspiring or what makes me just want to like stop whatever I'm doing and start working on that project, even if it's already I'm working on another project, which often happens, um, is seeing something that's terrible and just getting a seeing just the beginnings of a way to improve it in a way that's like cost effective or, or accessible to people. So for me, I, I don't look to great furniture designers for inspiration. I look for them for specific solutions if I'm like, Oh, yeah. Right. If I'm like sort of right. stuck and I'm like, how do they get past that challenge? Right. Like how yeah. do they connect the legs to that? But for the inspiration, for the driving motivation of the projects themselves, I look for the terrible, shitty, banal designs that like populate this world everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot more of those. And those I find is unlimited source. Because when we look at like <laughs> if we look at brilliant furniture designers, we could spend a whole lifetime not doing something that's. <laughs> that good is that good right frankly yeah right that's especially that. and if you're just starting the last thing you should be doing is comparing yourself to people that are considered like the greatest exactly because you're right. never you're always going to be coming up short probably right and so i i like to compare myself to things that i'm better at <laughs> right get that feedback uh, loop <laughs> no uh, especially at the point you know while, while you're learning to do something so yeah i would say I, I i am a big fan of looking for inspiration in the terrible nice chris yes I feel like I have a, a terrible answer for this, but here goes nothing. All right, Go well, first, I'll, I'll do a, more of a straightforward answer. So I guess if you just look at the dining room table that I'm building right now, the Nakashima stuff is the inspiration for that. This <laughs> is something that I like to do, like if I am getting that kind of direct inspiration on a piece, is sometimes I'll be looking around at something, and as soon as I see something that's that I feel like, ooh, that is giving me inspiration, I like quit looking at it immediately. Like, I don't want to see the details of it. I just want to get like that glimpse of it and then use that as like my launching point and, and my motivation to, you know, how am I going to come up with something that's inspired from this, but without like studying it too closely. And yeah, I don't even want to like see the way that they built it because I, I'm afraid that then that's going to dictate the it. way that I put it together. Right. Yeah. So I want to just like get like a, you know, a squinty eyed look from a hundred yards. Like that's like how I'd like to be inspired if it's going to be that direct kind of inspiration. And I think that that's what this is. Like, I don't, you know, if I wasn't talking about it, I don't think people would be like Psh, Nakashima ripoff. But if you, if I got to say like, oh yeah, here was my inspiration and like walk you through it, you'd be like, oh yeah, okay. I can see that. Um, in terms of the more like philosophical kind of approach to it though. So I'll try my best not to sound conceited with this answer. I'm not, I don't think highly of myself. Let me preface by saying that. Um, no, but I always felt like in my, like even going back to being a little kid, I was always just kind of good at most things that I tried doing. So like, you know, I wasn't great at any one thing, but like, you know, drawing or sports or whatever kind of things I tried my hand at, I was always like pretty good at it. And so I always had this feeling like at some point, something's going to click and that's going to be, you know, that's going to turn into a career for me or that's going to go off in, into something successful. Right. And I almost think that I kind of like went about life just passively assuming that. 
And then, you know, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work <laughs> if you're passive about it. Right. And at, at some point you have to just kind of like throw yourself in there. So I think in a way the inspiration for me was kind of like knowing that I was good at things and that if I really applied myself that I'd, I'd be able to have some success at least. Um, and then just taking that leap and, and, and doing it. Um, but yeah, just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say, but in a way, I guess just kind of feeling like something was possible, like feeling like there was something big out there for me to achieve. And, you know, not that I've achieved that yet, but I'm working my way towards it, hopefully. And in, like a self-confidence. Yeah. But in a yeah. way, I, I feel like I'm a weird mix of like very, I, like I believe that I'm talented and good at things, but very self-conscious at the same time. Uh-huh. And, and like, shy i guess cool let's go to the next question i think y'all, y'all answered nothing. it really well i mean i don't i don't think i have anything really crazy to add he, he so. takes his inspiration from ikea <laughs> he just knocks it oh, off geez. this one is from retro weld uh what's who, up doug yeah uh, has some really great videos uh on his youtube channel and uh definitely a cool instagram feed as well so shout out to retro weld and it says it's not really a question. He's like, it's just a, a declarative suggestion. Oh, okay. <laughs> Have a show about how cool I am and all you watch is my stuff. Ha, ha, ha. Fist. <laughs> smiley face with the tongue out. Best so, question, yeah. Well, that's going to be the, that's gonna be next week. <laughs> yeah, that's next week. <laughs> uh, I, I did a collab with Doug from Retro Weld. Yeah. Way back. Long time ago. Yeah, it was is like he, one of my first area? 20 videos. Not at all. Um, I think he's kind of like south- Somewhere in the south, like at least that's what his voice sounds like. Like maybe Georgia, <laughs> so Mississippi, your area, basically. Ah, uh, not really. <laughs> I'm more like I'm smack dab in the middle of the country. Like yeah. I'm loop. I'm kind of looped with like Kansas and Missouri. And so you're stuff. like Midwest. Yeah, yeah. But okay. Great channel. If you're interested in welding, go watch it. Yeah. He's got some Good great stuff. videos. Hey, I'm uh, metal working now, right? With that flat bar. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I so, drilled holes through it. That's true. <laughs> I had to cut it to length. Ruined all your drill bits. <laughs> no, I, I bought specific <laughs> oh, nice. uh, metal drill bits for this. Yeah. So uh, this, uh, well, this will be the last one we'll take. Um, okay. And this is from GQ underscore Curtis. And it says, I'd love to know more about the music behind your guys' videos. I know mm. Chris has recorded his own, but mainly his friend records a bunch for him. Yep. Mike, have you thought about recording your own music? Dash, uh, uh, or from uh, Jake. So his, his account is GQ Curtis, and he's a recently transplanted to OKC. So should hit very him up. cool. Make him oh, do your music. There we Mike. go. Wait, did he say he makes music? No, but I'm yeah. assuming that he's, he's just <laughs> dropping the hint. So he'd yeah, love real. to know more about the music behind okay. your videos. I think we talked about it uh, like maybe ten podcasts ago. But whenever <laughs> I started, I found a song from the YouTube audio library. And I was like, this is going to be the Modern Builds theme song. <laughs> Don't do that, guys. Uh, a, you're going to get very tired of listening to that song. And B, everyone in the world has access to it. As y'all may know, like I make music, went to school for music and all that kind of nonsense. But I don't really make, I mean, I, I'm sure I'm capable of it. But most of the music I make isn't really necessarily suited for voice or for, you know, background music for my videos and I think the main thing is a is it because of all the explicit lyrics or yeah, man, I'm it's all I, <laughs> if you didn't rap. know I make really inappropriate gangster rap, very hood. Okay. No, um, <laughs> but I it's just the music that I try I tend to just make it isn't super great for for uh, voiceover sake. And then B, I found a really great artist who has a full catalog of music that we've come to an agreement that I can use. It fits the aesthetic of my videos really well. And I keep music as my sort of leisurely hobby. Anytime I have like an hour or two in the week, I get to just like make a quick little song. And that's kind of like what my hobby is now. So I don't want to like taint yeah. that by yeah. saying, oh God, I got to make a new song for a video and then force myself to make music when that's kind of like, now that making has taken the place of like full-time job yeah. that I want to keep that separate and fun. Yeah. I feel yeah. I'm Oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's back to the sort of making versus buying thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, I I buy uh I buy rights to the music that I use for my videos um mm-hmm. and 
I'm also not very musically inclined. Everyone else in my family is very musically talented. Uh, Jesse was a concert violinist. Yeah. Uh, my other sister played uh, Emily played cello and piano. My mom plays the piano. Everyone's like very musically inclined. Uh, I, what I, happened I, with you, man? I was good at sports. <laughs> oh, um, okay, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, I just was like had no tone or rhythm and would like play the piano very mechanically and just memorize them as like button pushings, like a like yeah. a video game. Um, yeah. But uh, no, I, I think it's it, it's just because you can mix together every genre of things that go into it doesn't mean that you should. And this right. goes back to the things of that. So for me, it would be sort of a situation of time versus added value versus in this case, the, you know, the music is also ambient for the most part. And I think if you took the time, Mike, to study music, it's because it's important to you. So you wouldn't necessarily probably want to make take the time to make something that was going to be ambient. Right. Yeah. Right. Like you, if you were going to make music, I would guess it would probably want it to be the thing people are only paying attention to. Exactly. Not yeah. this thing. Right. So I think that's the thing. It's like, you can like cooking, but it doesn't mean you want to make like macaroons. <laughs> <laughs> I like to make macarons. Uh-huh. Those and are two cheese. different things, right? Um, <laughs> macarons and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are macarons something? I didn't yeah, there's two, there's a, two different kinds of cookies. There's a macaroon and a macaron. It's like, there's a French one and then like a coconut. Thing. I had no idea. Oh yeah, baby. I'm I all just about thought you that were bacon. talking about macaroni. Yeah. <laughs> were, were we talking about declares recently? <laughs> we were, yeah. We do it a lot always of, comes a lot of pastry to food at some here. point. Right. It always um, comes to food. For me, so yeah, I was lucky that I have my friend Chris. So you guys can actually check his his music out if you want to, just on Bandcamp. He's under Sleepy Pablo. Um mm. and he made that name before the Kanye West album came out. <laughs> so he did not steal what was that Life Life of Pablo? Is that what it's called? That is. Um, so anyway, yeah, I was lucky to have him and I pay him to make the music now. And I think, you know, it's funny. I think actually out of all any complaints that I get, I don't think I've ever had, or maybe if I have, there've been very seldom complaints about music. So that's something that the people can unanimously enjoy, I guess, when they watch my videos. I think it's a huge <laughs> part, honestly, of my videos, like in like setting the mood and the tone. Oh, for so, like aesthetic and everything. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's just like, I feel like it just like, once I put the first one together with the music, like it just clicked and it was just like, yes, this is perfect. So. Do you ever see yourself changing it up? No. I mean, like even <laughs> there's been a few times where like for what, cause he had a, he had his first kid in, in September. So around that time I recorded the music for a couple videos just cause I didn't want to bug him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now like he'll pretty much just whenever he has free time, he'll just kind of record an improv and they're usually like 15 minutes long or so. So I can usually use one, like, you know, three different times for videos. Um, and at this point, y'all have done enough together. He pretty much knows what you want. So it's yeah, it's he, pretty easy for both ends. You don't really have to like go out of your way explaining anything. No, he's just kind of, like, you know what to do. Kind of just do it. Yeah, he just kind of finds a key. He improvs yeah. around as long as he puts like a few different like stops in there. So there's like kind of ending things. Then I'll just kind of chop oh, up yeah. the song to make it fit, you know, with <laughs> different important parts within the video. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm like super lucky to to have been best friends with him. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Anything awesome. you guys are obsessed with? Ooh, I didn't even think about this part. Do you have okay. one, Ben? I'll tell you one that I'm not obsessed with, and that's the latest go. Fast and the Furious movie. That thing was terrible. Oh, Listen. come on. That's the finest film of all time. <laughs> I've only ever seen Tokyo Drift. And it's a departure. Listen, I'm telling you right now, that movie came out whenever I was 13, and it was freaking sweet. And, yeah. you know, I just don't want to ruin it. It's got, it's a, it has a great place in my heart. <laughs> and, you know, Ludacris is awesome. But, you know, I'm not going to watch any of them. Yeah. Although some, uh, on the note of, you know, TV or movies, I've, I've never watched Big Brother until this season. <laughs> it's great. Really? It's, it's honestly pretty good. And I'm probably going to have a lot of hate because I said that. But episodes are great. You can get through an hour episode in like 20 minutes if you DVR it because there's so much nonsense <laughs> in every episode that you kind of like, you can just fast forward so much. They're good. They're good. And I feel like if I, w- I feel like I have a healthy shot at winning Big Brother. I'm sure <laughs> everyone says that, that, but man, if I get in there, I think I'm at least going like final three. Guaranteed. Nice. <laughs> I, uh, I got a kind of music thing that I've been listening to a lot lately. So. Mike, you might like these guys, and, okay. and Ben, I think you could like them too. There's this band; they're from the like <laughs> mid '90s. They're called Tortoise. Have you guys ever heard of them? Yeah, I've heard of them. Okay, no. so it's kind of like instrumental, weird, um, 
weird time signatures a lot. But anyway, so I've listened to it a lot. Like it's good, like background, like study or work music kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the best album to listen to, it's called TNT. I think it's probably from like. Dino Mart. Yeah, it's, it's definitely nothing ACDC. like that. I don't know why. Yeah. I did it. Um, but yeah, Tortoise TNT. It's from like the probably I don't know nineteen ninety six or something like that. The best cool. if you want a song to start with, I would say it's called "I Set My Face to the Hillside." It's kind of weird. Like all their songs are very eclectic. Their songs are all over the map. But it's an instrumental, and it just kind of has like a kind of western feel to it in a way. But we've been listening to it a lot lately because my son likes to listen to it when we go to sleep. So it's like, that's like the routine now is we put that album on and usually within like three or four songs, he's out. So, nice. that, so I've been listening to it a lot lately. Oh, I, I think I have one too. Uh, I got like a rivet gun, just like a Stanley riveter. It's like yeah. a $19 one with the aluminum rivets. Like a pop rivets. Yeah. That thing's awesome. Like now yeah. I don't have anything to rivet, but I was just like, I was always looking at it and it's funny because I've always known or been curious about the rivets because they kind of look like a little like sword. And I remember when I was a kid, I had a, a rivet that was like the perfect size for a Lego man's hand. So it looked like it, it was like all the Lego swords are all plastic. And this one was like aluminum. So it felt like special. But I only had one of those rivets. Oh. And like me and my brother would like always fight for that one rivet, which is like two cents. And we would have known what it actually was. So I'd always yeah. had that, you know, that, that, that sort of image of that. Uh, sort of silvery aluminum rivet as being like a really cool thing. It's incredibly valuable. Um, <laughs> so I was like walking around Home Depot and I saw like packages of them. I'm like, oh, it's those things. So I like bought a whole <laughs> bunch. I don't have them for, a, I don't have any projects or anything for them. So yeah, I, I, I like it. I'm sort of obsessed with it. I've riveted a whole bunch of random things together <laughs> in my house. So no, I, I think it'll be cool for like, fastening leather to like eighth inch thick steel for yeah. example right so i think you could like weld a steel frame and then rivet the leather right to it and i think okay. that could look really awesome because the, the finished rivets look pretty cool i mean they, look they like, do they look like a light silver version of what we would be on your jeans or something yeah they're like kind of buttons the other thing is hold on i'm going to get this tool and show it to you because i've never seen one of these before and i want to see if you guys know what the hell it is Hold okay. Here we go. Name that right. tool. We'll we'll edit this out. <laughs> Just like some some Jeopardy music or something. Oh yeah, that's a. Oh, they're getting flagged. I have one. Yes. Yeah. Super so soaker. Got, right. So Ryobi sent this. These like it's like these power shears. Yep. They are the most awesome thing for cutting like sheet metal. That's or a, hot ooh. dogs. Hot dogs or uh, chicken wire. Like, have you ever tried to cut chicken wire or like, like? It takes a long time. You right. have to cut every single wire like down the length. Dude, I I was having a few a few adult beverages uh, and had a bunch of friends <laughs> over and we we're kind of like designing and making stuff because that's that's something we do now is I'll have people over on the weekends and everyone will just be working on projects and stuff. So we we had thrown back a few. And I had like, uh, you know, was opening up all the sort of, you know, packages that sort of arrived. Um, Mel time. Yeah. And so I found <laughs> these things and we were just like seeing all the things we could cut with them. Um, and we cut like a banana in half. We cut like sheet metal. We cut like those like light diffuser, like plexiglass things. Uh, <laughs> but it is, if you've ever, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of tool for like not a lot of scenarios like it's not like a tool i would use even maybe once a month it probably once yeah. a month would be the most but when you do have to cut chicken wire or or mesh or anything like that this thing like the level of speed it's not like five times faster it's like 30 to 50 times faster yeah robbie was <laughs> nice enough to send one of those to me as well and as soon as i opened it up i knew exactly w i wish i had it about two months ago whenever i was building that greenhouse <laughs> Cutting oh, all of that yeah. siding, it would have been the most perfect application for it. Um, but yeah, go to my Instagram. I'm gonna have some funkier stuff. That Ben, we're gonna have a challenge. Yeah, yeah. I was the just weirdest the thing you weirdest can cut cuts. with it. Like yeah. yeah. So like, let, let's pick like yeah, like like. Well, we'll just make up like acronyms for it. Like it's yeah. such and such Friday, or <laughs> I feel like this is gonna escalate quickly. It will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll put some on the on the podcast one too. That's what we'll do. Well, we're gonna we'll put some on, on on our own Instagrams, but find the weirdest thing 
that you can think of on Thursday, the day this comes out, and post it on the podcast story. I'll do the same thing, and then we'll get we'll have the listeners vote which one you think is the best Sounds the best good. thing you cut. It could yeah. be practical. It could just be weird. Just do with it whatever you want. Yeah. Nice. Get a little fan involvement, a little contest. Cr- cr- winner, Chris, winner wins five bucks. Chris will be the the tie-breaking judge. I'll Perfect. just be sitting here cutting farts. <laughs> <laughs> hey <Hey-o>. All right. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully you guys found this episode riveting. And oh, okay, yeah, why not? Right, just finish it off with a quick pun. Um, gotcha. You know what? So you guys, if you're listening to this, I know you're subscribed by now. I know you're following that uh, Instagram account. Why don't you go ahead and tell one of your friends that you think might like this podcast? There's nothing like good old-fashioned word of mouth, right? Nothing or like it. leave one of those five-star reviews and then just send the podcast <laughs> to, your to your friends and say, yeah. Look, I just gave this a five-star review. So should you. Yep. Nice. So take Either care way. of all that. Any and, way you uh, can spread the word, we really appreciate it. We do. So Close thank you guys out, for that. Uh, I think we're closed out. So <laughs> All right. Go follow road. us on Instagram at Modern Maker Podcast. Give us some topic ideas, suggestions on Instagram through questions. That's what we just answered from. Email us a voice memo from your phone if you want. And that is about it. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you this weekend for a very special episode. Uh-oh. I'm not going to clue you Uh-oh. in any more than that. Can you clue me in? Just joking. Yeah, I'm just I don't know. I'm just <laughs> adding intrigue. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>